objective to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning or good afternoon or whenever you are listening to this. Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. My name is S. Here, as always, is Lauren Gunn joining me. Good morning, Lauren. You are up <laughs> an hour earlier than I am. You see the little you see the little tired eyes that I have right now. You do not have those tired really? eyes. Really? Wow. Um, you seem up and at him. So how are you? I'm good. I'm very much a morning person. So when oh, I'm are up, you? Okay. I am. Yeah. I can get up as early as if I need to do something, I, it doesn't matter how early. I can't stay up. I'm not a person that can stay up all night. Mm-hmm. But if I need to be up, I can be up, get the coffee going, right. wash the face, get a little shower, and then just hit the ground running. So That's I'm doing impressive. grand. And I apologize if you are not. <laughs> I am not a morning person at all, but I stay up very late. So we are polar oh, really? opposites in this regard. So oh, I am, no. I am, a, I am a, You're a night as owl. what they call a night owl. Yes, uh, I'm usually up into the wee mornings of the night working. So wow. uh, good man. yeah, it's it. just the I way the world, the way the cookie crumbles, you know. Um, and I, I really, I've been like this since I was a kid. I just really I know, for some interesting. Reason, Mornings or me and mornings do not get along. Um, <laughs> but but uh, we have basketball to talk about regardless. Oh, yeah. um, and look, the in-season tournament is at its final stage. The finals will be happening on Saturday. So depending on when you're listening to this, uh, we might already have a result between the Indiana Pacers and Los Angeles Lakers. Lauren, can you tell me if you haven't checked on social media yet, when was the last time those two teams faced off in a final Ooh, i didn't i have not seen on social media so good I, 2000 2000 yes. i'll be honest that's like more recent than i actually thought it, it was, was. Be. well you know i would have i would have guessed i'm glad you didn't make me guess because i would have guessed like 19 <laughs> like it would have been a long time ago sorry no Pacers. it's uh it, it's okay it's it was it's interesting because like it's sort of rare for lakers and pacers to be yeah. a finals matchup for anything right so uh, even the fact that they have met in the finals once, interesting, yeah. right? Reggie Miller, it was uh, Mark oh, right. Jackson on the Pacers, uh, Rick Smits on the Pacers oh, as yeah. well. Uh, and then on the, the Lakers side of things, obviously the Kobe Shaq era, that was their first of three championships in a row. And now, 23 years later, they are the in-season tournament final. Um, Crazy. It's a little bit different on both sides of things, obviously. <laughs> uh, you have a young enigmatic point guard on the Pacers and Tyrese Halliburton. And then on the other side, you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. LeBron, who is continuously defying the odds here. We'll get into that in a little bit. I want to start off with the Indiana Pacers, though, because they seem like they are the topic of conversation when it comes to the in-season tournament. They are the topic yeah. of conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've made it all the way to Vegas. They won their group. They beat the Celtics. They beat the Bucks, And now they have a potential chance to beat the Lakers, which is mm-hmm. like, that very is impressive. very impressive to mm-hmm. rack up wins against these teams. Yeah. Um, and regardless of, you know, they have defensive issues and they right. can't stop a nosebleed, all that type of stuff. 
their offense is so dynamic. And Tyrese Halliburton, he, he has been incredible. Um, it's wild. I guess just, just your perspective on how ahead of schedule the Pacers are mm-hmm. in this regard and like how important this was for their own, you know, I guess growth. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's incredibly important because the Pacers, a lot of people, you know, find them exciting. You've got Miles Turner, you've got Tyrese Halliburton, you bring in Bruce Brown, you've got shooting with Buddy Heald, you know, but what you trade for Obi Toppin, who's been pretty solid, a solid yeah. pickup, which is why I love talking trades so much. Because Starting sometimes yeah. a change of scenery can just completely change an expectation for a young player. And that is what one of the things that I find so fascinating about young teams that are over, um, like exceeding expectations. And so one thing that I think is so great about the Pacers that has been such a pleasant surprise is the depth. And and they've got a lot of young guys on their group and, you know, Andrew Nemhard, Ben Matherin, guys that, again, high expectations, but when you're getting production, especially in last night's game, all the way down the bench to from Aaron Neesmith, who's closing out games, which is really, you know, incredible. Um, And TJ McConnell and Isaiah Jackson, who played really well, getting the production from those guys and being able to rely on them in big time games like this and have a deep rotation is huge. And so uh, I think for Indiana, when you've got a coach that, you know, is is, is well respected and, and really solid with X's and O's, and then you've got someone as dynamic. I love, I love that word when talking about Tyrese Halliburton mm-hmm. and someone to hold down the paint and miles Turner, having those guys to come in and really step up and rise to the occasion is huge in the present, but also for your long term. And so it's been exciting to, to see what the, this team has done. And I feel like this in-season tournament has been such a wild success for so many reasons. And it's forcing people to watch Pacers basketball that wouldn't normally watch Pacers basketball and see what they're putting together, how yeah. incredible Tyrese Halliburton is and how fun he is to watch. Um, and I think it's just, it's it's a huge win on so many reasons, no matter what happens in this next game for the Pacers uh, in the short term for the rest of the season, but also in the long term for, uh, you know, what they're putting together. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, you hit the nail on the head for a bunch of different things there. The depth that you mentioned, just the fact that they, um, first of all, from like a team building perspective, mm-hmm. they did such a good job post Sabonis of, hey, oh we're going to take a flyer on Aaron Neesmith. We are going to take a flyer on Jordan Nawara. We are going to yeah, draft. Another. We're, we're going to have multiple picks because we're also going to trade off some of our other players in order to draft the Jairus Walker, in order to draft the <laughs> yeah, Ben Shepard. Another one. You know what I mean? And these guys, mm-hmm. that these are guys that didn't even play. Benedict right. Matherin, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Who was really, really good in their Celtics game, struggled in the Bucks game but still regardless just another talent that they have on their roster um i think the most impressive thing to me is just the fact that they have built like a perfect ideal offensive roster around halliburton Mm -hmm. and the way halliburton complements that team from his scoring perspective from the shooting perspective he's such a dynamic as you said scorer Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. it opens up the rest of his playmaking game Mm -hmm. Yeah, You know, I, I have a video coming out in four hours about <laughs> Halliburton's uh, game and like mm-hmm. how he's kind of doing this thing. Um, and like, it's crazy because mm-hmm. his passes aren't like so complex. He's not mm-hmm. making the craziest reads. Yes, he, he does like the no looks. He does really cool passes in transition. But mm-hmm. like in the half court, he's not making like these mind-blowing passes or anything he's just kind of giving what the defense gives him right um and i i think that's just because of his scoring threat his yeah. he's shooting like he's the best shooter in the league this season mm-hmm. um and it's funny because of that unorthodox jumper that he has yep. right um it's just 
he's gone from an all-star to all NBA guy to, you know, if the Pacers continue at this pace, maybe in the conversation for MVP, Mm -hmm. uh, what he's doing offensively is something that really hasn't been replicated a lot this, this decade. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, when you look at his numbers, the only guys that have been near this category in terms of efficiencies shooting better than 67% true shooting. He's averaging over 25 points per game. He's averaging over 10 assists per game. There's actually no one that has done that. Even Jokic, which is surprising to me, even Jokic has not done that. Jokic only had nine assists in the season where he had 20, um, 20 plus points and and mm-hmm. 67% true shooting, but he did. Halliburton is averaging more points than he did. Halliburton is averaging more passes than he did. Um, which is incredible. Absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's a small list, a very, very short list of players that have been able to do just the efficiency that Halliburton is doing offensively. So it's incredible to watch. Um, it has been. It, it kind of brings up a conversation, though, and you mm-hmm. mentioned it when it comes to what the Pacers might look like next. They obviously mm-hmm. have this depth. We just talked about how deep this team is and how many how many tools they have in their arsenal, how many tools Rick Carlisle has in his arsenal to kind of throw out there. Um, they do need to get better defensively. This team mm-hmm. is probably limited, capped at maybe a first-round team. Maybe yeah. they steal a first-round series. Uh, but, like, that's about it. You're not going to win. You're not going to go far just being an offensive team like this. Right. Um, and they need to improve their defense. So they do. Now, Adrian Wojnarowski, right before that semifinals game, sent out a tweet saying, Hey, <laughs> I talked to Tyrese Halliburton and he's recruiting. He mm-hmm. is saying, I need to bring people to Indiana. Love it. it is the basketball state, the Hoosier state. I've never been to Indiana. Have you been to Indiana by any chance? I can't say that I have. I can't Maybe for the All-Star weekend. Who knows? Um, you never know. Yes. Uh, but either way, so he is recruiting people to Indiana. He is originally from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So um, never heard of that either, but very interesting name. <laughs> Would love to see how that place looks like. But um, either way, he's mm-hmm. recruiting. And that means that maybe he is pushing the agenda for the Pacers to get active at the trade mm-hmm. deadline. Um and I think given their depth, given some of the contracts that they have, you know, mm-hmm. Buddy Heald apparently requested a trade this year. Maybe that's right. changed now, given how they look and how Heald looks himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, given some of the contracts that they have, given given where they are, given this in-season tournament, like this builds some pressure too, where it's like, hey, maybe we are better yeah. than we are. And mm-hmm. we just won the thing. So maybe we should go out and try to you know, push our chips in to win the the other thing. And, or, oh, maybe, oh, well, well we lost to the Lakers, but we're one piece away from mm-hmm. beating the Lakers. And maybe, yep. you know, so you can sell yourself on that if you're the Pacers. Absolutely. Um, I'm not saying that's necessarily the case. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if, if I really was from Indiana's perspective, I would mm-hmm. probably be as patient as possible and say, yeah, I'm good. I'm all right. Except for two cases. Except for two it. cases. Let's hear it. It's oh, Pascal and OG, man. We keep Oof. coming back to this. These are the two guys that would fit mm-hmm. perfectly on this team. Um, obviously, from the defensive perspective, they bring that defensive edge. But they also they work well within that system, right? Off-ball mm-hmm. cutters. One of them is a good shooter. Like, OG fits very well um, with what that scheme is and whatnot. And I think the Raptors would be interested in some of the depth that the yeah. Pacers have. Mm-hmm. The Raptors and Pacers were really close to a trade mm-hmm. in, in this summer um, when it came to Pascal Siakam, but 
things happened from Siakam's side of things where he wasn't really necessarily interested in going to Indiana. Mm-hmm. Maybe that changes mm-hmm. now, given where Indiana is at. Um, right. Again, I don't know what the specifics would be, but do you think Indiana mm-hmm. is going to make a run at someone this summer or today, tomorrow, could- this year? I certainly think that they will try and make a run at Pascal. I think a lot of teams that are are right there that need the defense, need the size, and also need like the top kind of a top heavy player at the top of their roster and have younger assets and draft capital to go do that. I absolutely expect them to make a run at Pascal. I think that they'll ask about OG. I just don't see now. I don't necessarily see it happening, but who knows? Mm-hmm. I think the whole um, free agency with OG and what that could potentially look like for Toronto poses a really interesting yeah. factor in his availability and from from the outside. But at the same time, I do feel like it, it, there would that would that one seems less likely to me than Pascal. Um, and so for a team like Indiana, it's like, hey man, if you can go make that happen, that completely changes things for you. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think having someone like you mentioned the the cutting the off ball cutting, having someone like that to add to this group, this already yeah. dynamic offense would be just huge for them. And so I do expect them to make a run at Pascal. I think OG, I think they'll ask about him too, but I just, it's hard for me to see that happening. And and at the same time, um, you know, you go and you draft, you mentioned Jarius Walker, adding him to this group, you know, they add some size. Sometimes that takes a little bit of time. You mentioned patience as well. And so seeing what that has done for someone like Obi Toppin and you, you take someone like Walker so high, you mm-hmm. know, you want to kind of see that play out a little bit before you push all your chips in and, and potentially, you know, yeah. stunt someone else's growth. So there's that, that counter um, of, of what that will look like. And so for them, for the Pacers, it's like, okay, what young players would you be including for someone like Siakam, I guess from your perspective, looking at the Pacers roster, which players would you like to see included in that deal? Yeah, well, you need the contracts to get up there. Right. Uh, and I think Buddy Heald is the only contract that makes sense. Um, yep. But then on top of that, you know, you I think you're looking at guys like Aaron Neesmith. You're looking at mm-hmm. a guy like Andrew Nembard, who the Raptors mm-hmm. nearly selected. Um, it's is definitely in their top of the list. I don't know, maybe Pr- Bruce Brown, depending, because Bruce Brown has that massive contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So might be easier to move him versus somebody else. And maybe they decide they want to keep Buddy Heald now just because of how good he's been next to Halliburton. Um, right. I don't know. I, th- I think there's a lot of different ways this could go potentially sure. trade-wise for the Raptors. And to your point about OG, I agree with you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he is from – he's not from Indiana, but he cl- played college in Indiana. Um, right. So there's always that connection, the connection there and yeah. whatnot. But uh, I, I think there's just – I. It, given where the Raptors are at, I would just be really surprised if they decide to move him. I'm still on yeah. that. Um, unless there is a Godfather-like offer. And, yes. you know, there is a Godfather offer here from Indiana that could work. It's like, okay, we will give you Matherin, Nembard. Yeah, Buddy, that's what and, I'm wondering. You know, I mean, That's like, what I'm wondering if they're like – so on one hand, I'm like, okay, Bruce Brown – for anyone that's like, they just got Bruce Brown. Why would they do that? It's like, okay, well, are they having the question of if we bring in Bruce Brown and we bring in Pascal and move mm-hmm. buddy, are we losing shooting and kind right. of t- completely? T- so I think that there's a very real world in which that happens. Um, or, or that's at least discussed at the, at the bare minimum. And so if they're also looking at it like, okay, well, Matherin is not quite 
consistently, you know, a starter or that guy for us, yeah. maybe he could be. And I, I think that he can be, but for them, is it like, okay, well we could go get this guy now and then trust someone like Nemhard, trust someone like even Buddy Heald in the starting lineup. And then that's a very well-rounded group that's ready to win now. I think it mm -hmm. all comes back to how much pressure there is. And so I think if Matherin kind of gets tossed around, that's something that I would be really interested to see because Matherin in Toronto and the pace and, and the, the, sense, yeah. the potential that that could look like, especially if you get Nemhard in there too, that could be very dangerous. And so that's yeah. something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And I mean, there's, you know, as much as like, we'll get excited about a team. We'll say they're ready. <laughs> yeah. uh, teams tend to be way more patient than us. A hundred percent. You yeah. know, and I, I think there is a level of that too. I think, you know, Indiana might be okay saying, hey, we'll see what happens. Like you said, hey, let's see what happens with Jairus Walker. And by the way, I met Jairus Walker's great uncle this weekend. No way. Uh, yes, I did. I, I, <laughs> he was a very nice man. I was shooting a commercial with him and he was mm -hmm. a very, very nice, very That's nice amazing. old man who was telling me, he's like, he actually asked me, he was like, uh, hey, why is Bull Bull not playing anymore? I'm like, oh, I, I don't know how to explain You're that asking one. the wrong guy. I don't know how to explain that one, man. I'm sorry. The NBA season is heating up and there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Whether you're looking to hammer a Pascal Siakam player prop or ride the money line with Legault and the Lakers, our partners at Sign Up Expert want to make sure you're ready to sweat your bets with one of the best. Sign Up Expert is hooking up our listeners with one of the newest sports books available in Canada, Botano. Botano is home to some of the best odds when it comes to betting on the NHL and offers unique markets, including virtual soccer and basketball. All you have to do is get started and scan the QR code on your screen or click the link in our description to register and place that first bet. If you thought Dame Dalla being traded to the Bucks has been the best surprise of the season so far, wait until you try Botano. Don't walk, run to check out Botano. Scan the QR code or hit the link in the description to get started and start sweating your bets with the best. Always remember to bet responsibly and within your means, viewers must be 19 plus to sign up for Botano. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, no, he was a very nice guy and he had a lot of great things to say about Jared. So um, look, he's been balling in the G League too. Maybe they mm -hmm. say, let's just hold off on things and see how this right. develops naturally. That's mm -hmm. it's a fair uh, thing to have, fair opinion sure. to have. Uh, okay, so on the other side of things, the team that the Indiana Pacers routed was the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, mm -hmm. They seemed pretty like not interested in this game. It felt like mm -hmm. they were disinterested in the second half. Things changed a little bit. Damian Lillard got hot. Uh, you know, him and Tyrese Halliburton, they went back and forth. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it felt like they had just gotten to Vegas and they're like, hey, we got to Vegas. It's all yeah. good, baby. It's all good. Exactly. I, um, I, I don't I don't know. The Bucks. they like it's funny. Mm -hmm. I saw this tweet today and I kind of agree with it. Shout out to Oren Weisfeld. But he was like, look, the Bucks for a team that are is 15 and seven and second in the Eastern Conference have so much drama. Like it's it's crazy because mm -hmm. they are they're still doing well. They're still good enough to win on talent alone. Mm -hmm. But clearly the expectations haven't been there. They haven't reached the expectations people expected them to be at. Mm -hmm. um, Bobby Portis, according to Chris Haynes of the Bleacher Report, reported that, you know, Chris, uh, sorry, that that Bobby Portis and Adrian Griffin, the new rookie head coach for the Bucks, got into a passionate debate. Mm -hmm. um, Bobby Portis, quote unquote, passionately challenged 
uh, Adrian Griffin and said, hey, man, you better step it up, bro. Um, <laughs> and this was post game after they got routed by the Pacers, who they were probably favored to beat. Um, yes. Look, ultimately, I do feel like it, <laughs> this feels like this is something that applies to a lot of Bucks teams recently. Mm-hmm. But they're leaving a lot on the bone when it comes to what yeah. this team can potentially tap into. They are after after to last night, the Bucks are third in offense, which is like, wow, they're still very good on the offensive end. But they are struggling defensively. They're 22nd on the defensive end. They can't stop a nosebleed. They kind of remind me of the Indiana Pacers. but <laughs> A little similar, yeah. But the Pacers, um, there's just more flow to their offense. It just mm-hmm. makes more sense. It feels like sometimes it goes between, hey, Dame, it's your turn, to, hey, Giannis, it's your turn, right. and, hey, maybe we'll involve Chris Middleton here, and, hey, maybe we'll involve Brooke Lopez here. There doesn't seem to be a sort of flow. And flow. according mm-hmm. to that report by by Chris Haynes, that's what Bobby Portis was complaining about. He was saying, hey, our offensive structure late in games is not working. We are not right. doing a good enough job to get people involved in this offense. Mm-hmm. Um and I would have to agree with Bobby Portis. I right. think he is wholeheartedly right. Um, and there have been a couple of puzzling decisions by Adrian Griffin. You know, he started out this year defensively, switching up their defensive game plan. Uh, they have adjusted that since. You know, Brooke mm-hmm. Lopez is playing a little bit more of a deep drop. Uh, they're playing a little bit more conservative, and that helps guys like Giannis and Brooke Lopez defensively. But still, at the point of attack, with Malik Beasley and Damian Lillard, they're just not good. They're right. they're allowing a lot of blow buys, a lot of flybys, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just weird because like this team is probably good right now, mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. Like they're second in the East, but mm-hmm. they're also not good enough. Maybe you know, right. I don't know. It's just they haven't reached the expectations people have have kind of placed on them, and maybe yeah. those expectations weren't fair given what the roster was around Damian Giannis, given the rookie mm-hmm. head coach, but. How do you how do you feel about anything that happened last night from Milwaukee's side? Yeah, one thing that's hard, kind of on going on the flip side of of what we were just talking about with Indiana is is the bench with Milwaukee is mm. kind of a completely different story. Like Bobby Portis obviously is is very solid and, and proven, but kind of moving down the line, you've got a lot of youth and and sometimes some inconsistency with someone like Campaign. And so yeah. that can be hard to sort of expect consistency and expect high performing high performances uh you know every single night. So that's one thing that I think Milwaukee kind of going into trade season is definitely going to be looking to address, but sometimes bench depth especially in a buyout market when you're a team like Milwaukee yeah, how that are can they gonna, yeah. that can yeah, that can sometimes very reasonably get addressed and very swiftly get addressed. But as far as what you were saying going back to sort of Dame you take over, Giannis you take over. That strategy drives me. It's one of my least favorite things to see. And it's so common. Mm -hmm. I see it a lot sometimes when I'm watching the Mavs. And Mm -hmm. and it can be so hard when you have such a dominant player. But when you get in these late game situations where it's close, relying on that mentality and not having the flow that you mentioned, not having different things to throw at people. Structure, right? Just structure. It's such, there's so much risk involved, which is why it's something that from a basketball standpoint, I'm like, clearly I'm not qualified to understand, but I will never be able to wrap my mind around like just kind of letting two guys go to work and hoping that Mm -hmm. they can magically save the day. To me, there's, there's too many variables, too many risk factors involved there where you have to have a system. You have to have the structure. You have to have the flow, something that you can, you know, option one, two, and three that aren't just 
different guys going to get their their shots. And so right. um, for me, that's something that I never will fully trust. And so I do wonder if if this sort of challenge from Bobby Portis, what that changes, what discussions kind of start happening. Because when you have guys like Giannis and even like Damon, Chris Middleton, and even Brooke Lopez, and just the veteran presence that they all bring, their voices, you have to expect them to be heard as well. And so I'm curious to see kind of shortly following this, what adjustments we see, or if, you know, maybe they didn't, I don't want to say they didn't care about the in-season tournament. I don't want to just say that, but <laughs> I do want to see how serious was this from Bobby Portis in terms of how it was received and what gets right. implemented and adjusted for after. And so that's what I'll be looking to see because you can always go out and sort of say, oh, well, it sure would be nice to add Alex Caruso to this team. It sure would be nice to go pick up this guy. But at the end of the day, if you're going to rely, if you're not going to have that structure and that flow, especially in clutch time in a big game where there's high pressure, to me, there's too much risk involved. And when there's too much risk, you're already asking for so many things to go right with injuries, especially with this group. Right. So too many moving factors, not something that I fully trust. And that's what you and I talked about when we first started talking about the bracket play of the in-season tournament is how many things, you know, can you trust? What can mm -hmm. go right? Who can you trust? And right now the trust is, is waning. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, I, I think when it comes to the Bucks, you mm -hmm. know, even when we started this season, mm -hmm. I, I was obviously you can be high on Damian Lillard and Giannis, but I was yeah. not very high on the other rest okay. of the nucleus. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why I, I said the Celtics would be making the NBA finals this year. I still yeah. feel that way. Mm -hmm. um, and I ultimately think that this team probably needs another summer to retool around bro, uh, around Giannis and Dame. Because yeah, like you said, with, with the depth, the depth is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. um, it just, you're not able to be as versatile. Right. They just can't go to, you know, we, we talked about Indiana. It's like, okay, well, uh, Matherin had a bad game. So they went to Neesmith and, mm -hmm. you know, TJ McConnell had a great game, but Nembard got hurt in the third quarter. By the way, I hope Nembard is good. Aurora mm -hmm. native, shout out to him. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, good. like you, they had options, right? They had things that they could go to if one yep. guy wasn't working. And the Bucks just don't have that. They mm -mm. they don't have – I mean, you're asking guys like Marjan Beauchamp and A.G. Green to kind of, you know, be these guys for you. And mm -hmm. they need to develop and they, they need do. to figure out their own roles in the NBA. They can't be those guys for you yet. So right. um, I think that's an interesting aspect from Milwaukee's perspective. I don't know if it's like ring the alarm bells yet because yeah. again, they're still doing well. They're still mm -hmm. 15 and seven. They're still second in the Eastern conference and mm -hmm. they still have the top end talent. Like they still have right. Damon Giannis yeah. uh, and Giannis is starting to, uh, sorry, Dame is starting to play very well. Like he is. Um, I just, I don't know when you have that, you don't, you can't worry too much. You yeah. Know? It's like a, it's a bit of a balance, but kind of like, it, it reminds me of a conversation that we had about Phoenix last mm -hmm. year. And I don't want to get too far into that by any means or, or take too much time on that, but talking about retooling the roster around your nucleus and yeah. just being patient, even though these guys are on the, you know, a little bit old, and I hate to use the word old, but on the, they're, they're later in their careers, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's the pressure is high. You want to win now. Giannis with the extension, you bring in Dame, you know, high expectations, but sometimes you just need that time. And as much as, you know, fans, like you said, have maybe a lot less patience sometimes mm -hmm. the, I, you would like to think that the, you know, the ownership front office, all those people kind of see the vision and see what the, the group can be. Um, and I think sometimes giving those young guys, you know, the, the, 
the opportunity to to develop could you know make them trade chips and it could just help make it a more complete picture to go out and really get the well-rounded roster that they need and right now I don't want to overreact and just say this roster is not it but when you have such when your bench is there's so much youth on your bench that the the lopsidedness of that is create uh, presents a huge challenge and so it could Mm. work out for them you never know I love the group or I love you know Giannis and Dame and I'm rooting for them but uh I think that that's a pretty big challenge to overcome so I'm very curious to see their approach going into trade season yeah, we'll see what happens with the Bucks. Um, on the other side, with the Western Conference, it was the Lakers who absolutely demolished the New Orleans Pelicans. It was, yeah, I mean, they lost by 40 points. Uh, they they just got absolutely demolished. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about the Lakers side of things quickly before yeah. we dive into the, to the Pelicans side of things. LeBron was absolutely ridiculous. 30 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds. He made all 4 of his 3s. I believe 3 of those were back-to-back-to-back in the second quarter. <laughs> The mm-hmm. Lakers in general shot 17 of 35 from three. They shot 48%. So they were they were shooting lights out, um, yep. which is a part of the reason why this team absolutely smacked the Pelicans. Um, but I think the main takeaway here is just LeBron being absolutely insane. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I, nuts. I, I mean, thir- he's, he's going to be 39 years old in a couple of weeks. I think it's December 29th or whatever that it's his birthday. Mm-hmm. He is at a pace to be an all NBA player. Mm -hmm. And I just want people to kind of realize how insane that is that a man who is nearly 40 years old (laughs) is still a top 10 ish player in the NBA on nights like last night could look like the best player in the world again, you Mm -hmm. know, and the fact that he's doing this, I think is probably his best case, his best argument for being the greatest player of all time. It's that Mm -hmm. longevity. Um, and the more you go back and you look at it, like this was also the case for Kareem. Like the reason mm-hmm. Kareem would ever be involved in GOAT conversations is because of his longevity, right? Most leader in points, leader in minutes, leader in all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he played the longest one in every level, uh, you know, high school, college, et cetera. LeBron is pretty similar in the sense that he's had this 21 year career, uh, you know, going on potentially 22 and 23, depending on how long he goes for this. And he has not slowed down whatsoever. He looks just not just as good, but he looks very, very good. Um, And like if you compare him to 2020 LeBron, which is the year they won the championship, it's Mm. not that much of a drop off, Um, which is just crazy to say. I I really like we got to not take that for granted because Mm -hmm. we don't we're not going to see that very often. Guys end their careers very early. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's just, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy to me to see this. It was pretty crazy. I think him doing all of that, the efficiency, the numbers alone, doing all of it in 23 minutes was just, yeah. I I don't know if you mentioned the minutes. I might have missed it. But yeah, doing all of that in 23 minutes is just, and the dominance, you could just see like like the dominance of that game and how they kind of just, Mm-hmm. gave it to the pelicans i mean for the pelicans tr- top trio to to combine for 31 points nine rebounds 12 assists and eight turnovers right that's like so let's so let's get into that yeah um, zion let's. yeah let's. yeah because because for the lakers it's like okay cool the only thing i yeah. would say for the lakers uh the only one point i had is that mm-hmm. after last night's win against the pelicans they now have nine wins against teams that are 500 or better which is tied with the celtics for the most in the league um so a good little stat 
yeah, they are looking better. They are kind of, you know, they, they the rotation I, I think is is yeah. is at a good place. They're starting to figure a lot of things mm-hmm. out. Austin Reeves had a solid game off the bench, so yeah. I think that is is a huge sign for them to be able to have your starters, you know, perform like that and then have someone on your bench like that. That is that was a big question that I had going into the season. How what was that guard rotation going to look like? So yeah. this this game specifically, in addition to some of the others that they've had this year, has been it was probably I think I saw someone say that this was far and away the most complete game that the the Lakers have played all year. Right. Um, and so I felt like you know good good step in the the direction of this this marathon of a season. But yes, the Pels. Let's no let's, yeah yeah I agree with you. The Pels. Um, okay, so the Pels, they struggled immensely. They are getting back CJ McCollum. They, I mean, he just recently came back from a collapsed lung. They also are getting back Trey Murphy. So mm-hmm. they are healthy now. They have their yep. full squad, right? Um, and I think there are some growing pains when you are incorporating those guys back into the lineup. I think there is some adjustment that has to happen because you're trying mm-hmm. to figure out what lineups work. You're trying to figure out what combinations work. But for the most part, uh, Zion Williamson, has not been very good this season. He has put mm-hmm. up numbers, but it really hasn't been good in those two in-season tournament games against Sacramento and Los Angeles. Against Sacramento, 10 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Against Los Angeles, 13 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists. Um, and it's just, look, he's already not a very good defender. He's not putting that effort in defensively. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a lot of counters offensively either. It's like either I'm going to barrel to the rim or I'm not going to be able to score. Mm-hmm. And against the Los Angeles Lakers, it just felt like – and the crazy thing is he took eight shots. He, he only went six of eight. So I, I feel like there's like an involvement factor. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's uh, like he I, – I, I'm not really even sure what it is. Shaq had a really good segment. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you saw it. I, I had, hadn't seen it, no. Uh, he he essentially said like, hey, a lot of this comes down to effort with Zion uh, and he's not rebounding the ball well. Mm-hmm. I he, he said, you know, uh, he's just like me when I was a kid. And oh, wow. I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with that because Shaq was insane. Like Shaq was a monster. <laughs> right. um, but the fact that he is, you know, kind of sympathizing with him, if you will, is interesting. Um, is yeah. an interesting aspect to this. I, I don't know what it is with Zion that isn't working. He is not a good defender right now. Mm-hmm. He is not rebounding the ball well. Um, and in terms of the offense, it feels like some nights he feels like he's involved. Some nights he doesn't feel like he's involved. And that's part of, you know, trying to figure out what team works around a player like that. Right. Yep. Brandon Ingram had a bad game too last night. So I'm not trying to excuse or put this all on Zion. Right. But it does feel like that's the big part of the equation. And mm-hmm. I think we talked about this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, this was when they were at the top of the Western oh, right. Conference, and Crazy. Zion looked incredible. Like he mm-hmm. looked absolutely insane. That's the best I've ever seen Zion Williamson in my life. Um, and it's just like, why is that not the same now? What is right. di- what is different? What is the thing that is looking different to this team? Um, I don't know. I, I I wish I had the answer for you now. Yeah, it's it's very tricky. I do wonder. And this is a question. This is not a, an observation or a statement. But my biggest question is: Is he locked in to the current and long term mission of mm-hmm. the New Orleans Pelicans? Because 
Willie Green is is someone that a lot of the players seem to really like, and CJ McCollum yeah. and Brandon Ingram have continued to you know express their their dedication, and and Herb Jones even looks you know Better. I've never questioned that about yeah. him, and so I do sort of want, and they've got they've got like decent bench pieces, and so I think Dyson Daniels, they Trey are Murphy, like the Jordan Hawkins, team. yeah, oh, oh my yeah. god, I mean they've got solid pieces, and so mm-hmm. again, not I'm not shifting all the blame on Zion, but having that significant of a piece in your nucleus and kind of have even just having that question about right how locked in are you to the mission that does sort of i mean th- those things like kind of um what's the word like they just bleed into other areas and it makes things very very challenging and so mm-hmm. you know like you mentioned the other guys the other top guys did not have the best performance either and maybe that speaks to them having an off night coming back from injuries the lakers just being dominant who knows like you can't necessarily pinpoint it to one thing but with zion that is a huge huge thing that they have got to figure out sooner rather than later you can't just keep waiting on it keep waiting on it because you know injuries are a real thing nagging injuries are a real thing so you just never you never know what's going to happen around the corner and so Mm -hmm. with zion i think it's something that you kind of do have to figure out sooner rather than later because even if he is like you know i like my teammates i like willie green or or whatever at some point when you've got someone like brandon ingram and you've got someone like cj who is struggling right now but and you know you mentioned the injury but has played really well at times for this team you've got to figure out how to put this team in the best position to be successful and i do wonder what that means for zion's long-term future with this team it's just it's very puzzling to me because i've watched this team for a decent amount this year uh Mm -hmm. and like i've had moments where i look at them and i'm like wow they look like they are ready to you know burst through the seams like they Mm -hmm. are going to be a contender um they're so ready you add trey murphy to this you add cj mccollum to this you're cooking gumbo right whatever (laughs) shout out to new orleans Um, (laughs) i love it but but by the way, side note, I would love to try gumbo. Oh my god! You've never had gumbo? I I've guess never, I'm from the south. So yeah, I'm like, I've never, oh, you know, never touched. When the time south. comes, yeah, I know, I know. My, my wife, she did her bachelorette party in mm-hmm. New Orleans. Oh, in and, New Orleans, and so she tried gumbo, and God, did she damn, like it? I was so excited. I oh. was so, I was so jealous of all mm-hmm. things gumbo related. It's okay. legit. Um, so look, th- yeah, they had a little pot cooking there uh, in terms of like what. They could potentially be right, mm-hmm. um, and ultimately, I, I, I just, I kind of leave with a lot to be desired. You know, it kind of feels like the, it's funny. It kind of feels like the Bucks because you, <laughs> you look at this team and they're like, man, this team should be really good. They actually, mm-hmm. even in their record, they are pretty good. Like they're, they're right. not falling off by any means, but you kind of want more, and that starts at the yeah. top, um, in my opinion, with this Pelicans team, with Zion, mm-hmm. with Bi. B.I. had a really, really great game against Sacramento. He absolutely carved mm-hmm. up Sacramento, uh, but just wasn't the case against L.A. And to be fair, I think the Lakers are a tough matchup for the Pelicans. Yeah, The, the Pelicans rely so much on their size. Mm-hmm. Lakers can match them with that physicality and size ultimately. So I, I that's, that's what I come away with. It's like it starts with Zion. And there was that quote you know, from the first couple of weeks of the season where Zion is like, hey, it's been an adjustment for me. We're trying something new. We're trying to play a different way. And I'm not going to lie to you. I need to figure out a way to buy in and, and look at this. But right, right now, it just doesn't seem like it's working. Uh, yeah. How do they pivot? How do they change? I don't know. Um, okay, before we head out of here, before mm-hmm. we, we skedaddle, uh, just a quick pick. Who do you think is going to win? Lakers, Pacers? <sighs> I, you know, the last time 
I'm just going to say it. The mm-hmm. last time we had this podcast and we did our, our – or not the last time, but when we did our bracket play. Right. Yeah. I said – I changed my mind and I said I'm believing in the Pacers. I think they're going to steal one. Yeah. They stole so two. So I'm sticking with it. Yeah. They stole two. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lean on Hal Burton. I love the content with the family. It's just amazing. Yeah. So I – I'm gonna I'm gonna keep believing. I'm gonna, gonna go say, Pacers. Okay, don't I'm stop go believing. Okay. Don't stop believing. I, I, I read it. I read it. Um, I, I look. I could see there is a world in which I could absolutely see the Pacers winning this game. Mm-hmm. They are an offensive juggernaut. They might be able to just run the Lakers out of this basketball game. There's a very uh, there's honestly a potential to that. But Las Vegas. The Lakers are playing in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing in Vegas right now, but still, like that's pretty much a home game for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a very lively crowd, I feel. Uh, also, LeBron in a single elimination game usually mm-hmm. tends to, you know, given the 21-year record, um, tends to be pretty good in those games. Uh, I think it would be fool's gold to not say the Lakers would win, mm-hmm. but I could see, I could totally see a case in which the Pacers win this game and just like destroy them and like run out of the gate with it. And like LeBron is resting in the third and fourth quarter <laughs> because it's just been over for so long. You know, I, I could see that. Who knows? But I do think it'll be the Lakers who win this one. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be close. I think it will be a close game. I think it'll be close um, too. Which will make the in-season tournament that much more successful. It has been successful so far. Maybe there's some tweaks that they could do. You know, the mm-hmm. the Pacers Bucks game was pretty quiet in the yeah. Uh, yeah, like the Vegas really didn't show up for a two o'clock game. Maybe there's <laughs> there's some things they got to tweak there. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, a success. Everything has been a success with the in-season tournament so far. We've got one more game to go on Saturday. When you see Lauren and I on Tuesday, we will have another guest. I don't even have we even. Spin the wheel yet? I don't think we have. But regardless, we, have. we will do it. And thank you so much for tapping into the Objective Basketball Podcast from Lauren, from myself. We will see you guys later. Take care. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast, delivering the NBA to you like no other.